0: Welcome to Whole Lot of Wolves, episode two of season four. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley. I am Paul LePage. And joining us again, our fantastic producer in New York City, Mr. Alex Patakis. How's it going, Alex?
1: It's going all right. Yeah. <laughs> How are you
0: guys? What, what you drinking tonight?
1: Uh, I've moved on. I had about uh, two Guinness and four Bud Lights at the bar. Cause they were $3 and now I'm now I'm on some white wine with dinner. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. So I know you like whiskey.
0: I found this new uh, distillery in Houston called Lone Wolf. And I got a butterscotch um, pepper called hot scotch uh, whiskey. Ooh. And so it's got the butterscotch taste to start off. And then it's got the zap of the pepper and it's, mm, when you come out for text fest, we'll, we'll have to, uh, have a a few of those I think you'll like it as a bourbon man
1: yeah no that sounds great my only concern with spicy drinks is uh what what it will do to you afterwards you know the stomach starts going but (laughs) seems like you're doing all right. I'm doing fine I'm doing fine wonderful
0: and Danny another one of our resident drinkers (laughs) I'm, I'm sure today he drank a lot Danny Paletti from Baltimore Wolves how's it going Danny hey guys
2: it, you know, it's been better, but, you know, cautiously optimistic despite the farce.
0: Yes. So let's get right to it. We are recording this on Monday night, just a few hours after Wolves put on a very spirited performance, ultimately lost 1-0 to Manchester United at Old Trafford. But it was really going to be the talk of the game, Paul, was going to be how well Wolves played, you know, even if they did lose. And then somebody tried to take out Big Sassy and it turned into just a VAR badge chip dumpster fire again. Have at it.
3: I hate those games at Old Trafford because literally the writing was on the wall of everything that could possibly happen in that game. That we looked bright, probably 50-50 first half, definitely had the, the better the chances pretty much similar into the second as well. But when you have those opportunities, especially there or really any of the top teams, you've got to put one away because it's no shit, Sherlock, you know, you score, you take the lead there, two things are going to happen. Either they're going to come full throttle uh, back at you and equalise and and go on with the momentum, or they're going to come back at you, you soak up the pressure, you're going to hit them on the break and win 2-0 and be pretty pretty comfortable. We can't be having the same old story again of last season, season before, of having three, four, five guilt-ed chances from the likes of Cunha and uh, Fabio, they're, they're players that have got to be putting at least one of those away and that's that's all that sours that performance for me because everything else was pretty much perfectly executed formation wise tactics wise um I, I i struggle to to fault it really just those fine margins that extra few percent of of hitting the target making the keeper work Uh, ultimately putting the ball in the back of the net, we could have been riding off into the sunset, having this complete victory. Um, Now we're left licking our wounds, thinking what might have been, and not through really anyone's fault, other than extremely shoddy officiating.
0: Danny, I think you're like me, where I can handle a loss. I can't handle being like, openly cheated just you know blatant that's what that was the only person i saw on twitter on tv or anybody that said oh that's not a penalty was tim howard who's a goalkeeper of course
2: yeah it, it was wild you should see my my buddy edgar he was uh he was livid as you know i've taken a more zen approach to this season you know uh, as I said, you know, goals are just one small part of this game that we call football. And, uh, you know, Wolves are sometimes uh, not interested in doing that part of the game. And similarly, perhaps uh, the Premier League is just one small part of the English football pyramid. So, you know, maybe that's another thing that we be not interested in. Uh, but yeah, I take a lot of positives from it, but it was uh, it was pretty hard to take. Uh, in preparation for coming on your show, I even you know did a small amount of background work, which is unusual for me. But I just want to want to go through the list of people that I saw. Thought that it was a penalty, as you mentioned. Uh, Tim Howard wouldn't fully say that it's a penalty because oh, they don't usually give those. Okay, so apart from that, we have uh, Robbie Musto and Robbie Earl who are with him. Uh, believe it was a penalty. Also, Jeff Stelling. Gary Lineker, Gary Neville. Uh, then the rest of the Monday Night Football crew, uh, Karen Carney says he has every right to be aggrieved. Uh, Jamie Carragher didn't agree, didn't think there was enough for it to overturn. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Laurie Delrymple, that was a nice name to see again. He was aggrieved on Twitter. Uh, Ref Support UK, which is a great uh, Twitter account that usually is very pro-referee. Uh, defends a lot of the choices they make, says no question that should be a penalty. Keith Hackett, former head of the PGMOL. Of course, you know, John Moss, who's uh, the one who apologized to Gary O'Neill, the manager of select group one of the referees. And now we're getting really to the bottom of the barrel. The people who you're, you, I hate that you're making me agree with. Taylor Twelman on our side <laughs> on this one. And the worst of the worst. Piers Morgan. Piers Morgan. Made, I was wondering you, if you were
0: going to bring it
2: up. <laughs> you've made me. You've made me take the same side as Piers Morgan. Simon Hooper. What have you done? This is the worst crime you could possibly commit. Is to put me and Piers Morgan on the same side of any issue. It's just
3: brutal. What were I some think out now, of those? Go ahead, Paul. It, it's interesting if John Moss is coming out though on the PGMOL if they're making these apologies directly after the game now, is that what it's going to be moving forwards? Because it was previously a day or two afterwards. It was, if it was a Saturday game, it was on the Monday or the Tuesday, and oh, they've looked at it and issued Wars an apology again. That seems different to me. So what purpose that serves, I'm not really sure if it's to not necessarily take the sting out of it even, or not let it fester just to get it out in the open straight away more for transparency. Who knows? But I thought that was uh, certainly an interesting uh, snippet for them to come out so soon and say that it was uh, a mistake.
2: They ought to just have a standing appointment with our manager right after every game.
0: Yeah. Well, and they need to do what American sports do where they have the crew chief, in this case, the head referee meets with, a small media pool. Not all the reporters. It's not like he has to go and sit at the table or anything. But there should be one or two guys that can go in there and ask, hey, what what was what happened there? Or we're even seeing in the Women's World Cup, the referee can say something. I was just stunned he wasn't called to the... When he was walking to the side, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, they're going to look this over. But And then he throws a yellow card at O'Neill, and it was like, this is now something like that you look
3: at it and go this is going to be a ref show from here but on but he, even the, even the commentators alluded that mm-hmm. to that though that he was going over to check the screens and immediately thought yeah that's legit because they have a different feed they they always know what's happening before it gets announced they've got a plug into to that communication between the the var officials so when that was mentioned, we thought, yeah, it was a gimme. I was just waiting for him to go over. It. And then, as you say, he whipped out the yellow card. And all of a sudden, the script was flipped and it was no penalty. They've checked it and overruled it. It's like,
2: where that did was, that
3: even come from? That was comedy gold.
2: Also, there was uh, Graham Lasso on, uh, on the call when he was saying, oh, that's a definite penalty. He's going to come over and look at this. And he gives Gary O'Neill a yellow card. And he said right after that, he said, well, he's got to come up here and give me a yellow card for <laughs> disagreeing with him, too.
0: Yeah, and those announcers were, you know, very poo-pooing on Wolves all throughout. And so the fact that, I mean, it wasn't even like, well, let's see it again. He looked at it the first time it was like, that's a penalty. That's a foul. Like, what are we even doing here? <laughs> but unfortunately, that little bit of controversy did take away from what was – a good Wolves showing. And I feel like even if the result had been the same at 1-0, um man, I, I I felt I left that game feeling a lot more Paul, positive Paul, than I was expecting to.
3: I had a few more vibes of um those first few Bruno games where it mm-hmm. looked really good, but you were just waiting for that that performance or that first first three points so but but I'm still nervous because first game of the season going to Old Trafford you know you're gonna raise the gate you're gonna raise your game going there they may not be at 100% just yet so I, I, I do take it with a little grain of salt so it's one of those where I'm just really eager to to get to the next match and see if they can repeat it again, because it, it may not come on Sunday, um, on Saturday against Brighton, but I could see if they keep on doing performances like that to start out the season, they could pick up an early victory and that could set them off on really good momentum. And obviously to win a game, you're going to have to score. And hopefully that goal one brings two and then that adds a little bit of momentum as well that someone may get on a streak if it hits the back of the net and suddenly you get a a forward player scoring and then all of a sudden he's two or three goals in and and looking in really good form so it's one that I'm I'm not getting too overly excited with because it is tremendously early days after such a such a crazy summer you know to to put that performance out in in the past week just with a brand new coaching staff brand new manager uh to do that's phenomenal so let's just get onto the new game and see if they can maintain it next next game see if they can maintain it Danny that
0: midfield was really exciting and they really dominated large portions of that game lamina. Uh, You wouldn't even know Mason Mount was out there. Lamina had him in his pocket the whole time. Jao Gomez, fantastic performance. Um, You know, Matthias did good. What were your thoughts on the midfield?
2: Yeah, I mean, for easily the better team for, I don't know, 80% of the game. uh, Honestly, most of the first half um, was kind of all one-way traffic. It was – I remember we were getting towards the end of the first half, and I thought, have they even?" Had a shot. <laughs> um, it was, I think, something Paul said, you know, thinking about Bruno Lodge's first games in charge, it's like the, I feel a little bit more controlled in this and maybe I'm sort of looking for minor differences here, but, you know, the Bruno Lodge games were so chaotic. It was wild. And this this was a bit chaotic, too. There was a bit end-to-end. But I do feel like we were really restricting their chances um and also just their their build-up overall we were winning the ball uh, uh fairly high up the pitch you know either uh in their third or in the middle third which is great to see it's just something that we have clearly wanted to do for the past you know 18 months and not always put together um and honestly it was you know a more complete performance than even some of our better performances last last year where we actually won you know i mean think about some of the best performances last year you know against Liverpool at home that Liverpool defense was so shaky and we took advantage and it was you know fully down to us to to do that but but I think United were not playing poorly we were Mm -hmm. just controlling the game even when we were out of possession and that was that was excellent to see and I mean a few people said this on Twitter but you know that that midfield with Jao Gomez and Mario Lamina especially and then add in Mateus, who's just gonna run past people. I mean, you're gonna be very hard pressed to outrun that midfield. Any team in this league is gonna struggle to outrun that midfield.
0: They're all over the place. I mean, Gomez was everywhere. It was just it was so much fun to watch. And like I said, Lamina was a, a brick wall as well on Mason Mount. Like it was a lot of fun. Um, Paul, I really feel like all that was missing was a goal from Cunha and this would have been his coming out party, like just really spectacular performance, uh, some great runs, fending off uh, fouls and still getting breakaways. I mean, what was your thought on him?
3: My thoughts were, was this the, the start of a body of evidence that proves he can play that number nine role and not the out and out classic number nine role in terms of like a big, target man or or the the role that Raul used to take up, but a completely different profile that he's able to drop deep, pick up the ball, beat beat the man and, and create a move from there. So it, it just shows to me what a potentially a, a good preseason could have done for him. And if it wasn't for fine margins if, if he'd have scored tonight, you're easily talking about a nine out of 10, maybe 10 out of 10 performance as, a, mm-hmm. as an attacking player, such was his threat. Now, I think the only not to be too down on it is, is not him per se, but when he is in that more central role, that's when you need a tremendous, much more output from those two players alongside him, however they, they line up. Um, in flashes, I thought we did see it from Neto and I thought we saw some bits of, of the old Pedro Neto that we, we all love and cherish and, and long may that continue and he gets back to where he was. But I, I'm i a little baffled about Sarabia being out there in that type of game and what he actually contributed. I think it was not, not painful at times. He just was anonymous. And when you've got, everyone really chipping in and and doing their roles diligently and and causing problems to the opposition. That's when you need that extra 10%, that that player to come in and and be the cherry on the top of the cake who can put the ball in the back of the net or do that wonderful piece of skill to set up an assist for for someone to score an easy tap in. That's what we need from those forward players. And as it stands, it wasn't a game for Sarabia tonight, and I'm struggling to think of when it will be.
0: Danny, do you agree with Paul that Cunha is showing he can be that number nine up top, or would you still rather him play behind a true number nine in more of a false 910 role?
2: Yeah, maybe. I, I think probably we all agree that he's best when he's playing alongside a striker. Uh, I think the the conundrum for Gary O'Neill and probably Lopetegui before him is, you know, how to get all those players on the field and still keep us defensively sound. I know that they're probably trying to load up midfield. And so they, they don't want to commit so many players to those forward positions. But I mean, the problem is he can get so isolated and he's honestly really good. It's, it's surprising sometimes how his dribbling ability goes under the radar when you've been mm. watching Adama Triore for years. And right. now you have Mateus also who's like gliding past people. But I mean, we're regularly seeing him pick up the ball in deep places and then just get all the way almost to the opposition box. It's, it's really impressive, but the problem is we just end up with no one around him. And it's like, It can be frustrating that he misses those opportunities, but also it's fully understandable that he's just made this huge sprint and you're asking him to shoot usually from a not very optimal angle. We really have to be getting the ball to someone else in that moment. You know, it's fine for him to be setting those things up, but we just don't get enough players in the box. And that's the times when we look good is when we're actually getting players in the box. I love that we have some of these, uh, some of our midfielders really have an instinct to go up there. Like, I mean, Mateus, obviously, but also João Gomez. even though he's, you know, more known for his defensive work, he really does know, like, when it's time to push up and be a part of that attack. And that's when we can use Mateus best. So whether or not he plays with a striker, we need to see people moving up with him. I think ideally it's with a striker, and I think ideally it's with Fabio, because they seem to have a pretty good understanding But honestly, I'm happy with all three of them. Him and Fabio and Sasha seem to all link up very well in whatever combination. So as long as we're playing two of them, I'm probably going to be happy.
0: (laughs) Paul, I thought Fabio, he wasn't on long. But I thought he really showed a lot of positives in the fact that he wasn't tentative at all. The ball came towards him and he was shooting. And that's what I like to see out of a number nine is just keep shooting the ball. You see that from a lot of the big guys um, that do it. What were your thoughts on his short appearance?
3: Confidence-wise, it looked there, which mm-hmm. was good. The the positions that he was getting into was good. Um, it, again, if you're potentially expecting him to, to score one of those opportunities, you might be looking at a player that's not 35 million pounds, but 50 to 60 in, in, in that bracket. So... Is he one is he one that needs three chances to, to to score one rather than two to score one? So that that could be a factor. But in, in terms of that setup and, and the way they're playing, there is some positive vibes with what he was doing tonight that could bode really well if he's played as more of a distinct two, especially at home, if it is Cunha as the ten behind him. Uh, I think that could that could do do really well and and likewise that there's definitely a different dynamic to to bring in Kalasnich on as well that totally different type of player as well so we've had such a shit summer but all of a sudden we've got three three options to to form two partnerships around so it's pretty uh pretty it'd be pretty exciting if it was to click with with one of those moving forward for sure so Danny who is your man of the match for Wolves
0: I mean obviously the midfield did great Cooney did great Samato also probably had his best game in a year at least who's your man of the match
2: yeah it's hard to pick out anybody who had a particularly bad game uh you know there were some shaky moments from the defense, but it was also because they didn't have to do a ton most of the time. I mean, I know saw sort of flapped a bit at the, the goal that they scored, but otherwise to a man, most of the people, the players who were involved were, uh, were great. I think I have to give it to Cunha. I mean, it's a bummer that he didn't score. I think he probably should have. I think you could make that argument. I think, if he's playing alongside of someone like Fabio, like if Fabio gets 60 to 90 minutes and Fabio takes the shots that he took, I think Fabio's scoring, but otherwise Cunha was just running the entire time. And it was such an impressive performance. They called it out on the broadcast too. It's just like he was, he was uh, picking up balls from deep and running, like I said, box to box. He was also uh, pressing constantly. Um yeah I have to give it to Cunyan.
0: Alex I need to have you make the call here with Lopetegi gone or are, are we still doing our lunch awards or is that gone now oh, that the no free lunch.
1: Absolutely not. I want no part of that. I'm still angry. <laughs> <laughs> Paul take that pizza and shove it. Wow. <laughs> Alex
0: feeling feeling very rough about it. Uh And that is one thing, Paul, we haven't addressed the elephant in the room, which was, hey, you called 50-50 and you were closer than the rest of us. Um, What were your thoughts when it finally went down and Lopetegui hit the road?
3: It was a weird feeling because in in some respects, it was quite a relief that you'd had such a summer of uncertainty right from May and you had these intervals of Balagi coming out with interviewing him and he's not happy and, and all this and and then oh he's staying great we can get behind that and then there there was more issues that came to light so for me it, it, it was at least it, it, they've cut the cord you know it, it's been done move on um to like, could could it have been, could it have been the, the best thing ever for for the wolves to have him as coach? Maybe, but could it have just been a whole bunch of baggage that if someone was that committed and that invested and w- really wanted to pull in the same direction as everyone else? wouldn't have they just just got on with it and and ridden it out so was it an element of selfishness at the end of it as well and on his part and does that mean that there's an element of good riddance as well so i'm not for at any moment saying uh folks are a blameless i think it's definitely a, a two-way street on accountability for for both parties in terms of ownership and manager um but it 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 it's been it's been a relief, and I, I get the somewhat of an anticlimax of Gary O'Neill and people looking at that as a um, looking at that negatively. I'm I'm just looking at it as some freshness, and at least there's someone who wants to be here, is going to come here, and is going to work diligently uh he's gonna block out the noise and see what happens and hopefully we saw a few of those green shoots tonight so draw a line under it move on let let let's see what happens this season
0: Danny do you think part of the player's performance today was in response to Lopetegui leaving because essentially you guys aren't good enough is yeah. essentially what he's been saying all summer,
2: right? Yeah. I think it's a lot of that. I, I don't know if it's directed, you know, exactly at Lopetegi, but, you know, I, I agree with a lot of what Paul said. I think there's, you know, there's a lot of frustration amongst, at least I'll, I'll just speak for myself, but I, I see a little bit, a little bit of on Twitter, you know, with a coach who doesn't seem to want to just get down to work with what is clearly a very talented group. And as Paul said, their usual caveats, supposed to not blameless, you know, we've made mistakes, but I think it's also the the performance from the players. Like you said, uh, ever since that Celtic game where, I mean, as far as we know, they probably knew he was on his way out before then. And then he told Hobbs after that game that he wanted to leave. So like after that point, they have to know. Yeah. And the game against Wren looked great I mean we all watched that and saw you know the most cohesive (laughs) most uh coherent Wolves performance that we'd seen in 18 months and I think it's not just Lopetegui throwing them under the bus a bit which we all felt was a bit unwarranted I mean I I get putting pressure on the board to to spend some money but but I mean this is clearly a better team than we had 12 months ago, it's probably a better team than maybe we've had for most of the time we've been in the premier league. Uh, but it's also the media in general. I mean, here, I'm going to, you know, say the thing that I'm aggrieved about, but, you know, listening to all the preseason predictions, oh yeah, you know, saying, Oh, well Sheffield and Luton definitely going down in that third spot. It's going to be tough, but have to give it to wolves. They look terrible. They've sold all their best players, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, it's been chaotic. I'll give you that. I mean, and it's not ideal. It's not good in any sense. But if you look at that group of players and the way they've been playing in preseason, where they're clearly like together, there's like an identity there, and they want to play together. I can't imagine how you look and say that that's the team that's going down over a team like Everton that's escaped relegation the last two years by the skin of their teeth. It is. and I'm sure that they see that stuff too. You know, every every. Piece of media I've seen has said wolves very likely to go down, and they're looking around saying, "How we're better than that, and we're going to show you at Old Trafford on first night." And they did. I mean, it was it it felt very much like that kind of reactionary performance, and I hope it keeps up.
3: Like this, the the chaos of the summer aside, I'm I'm I'll judge the squad on two points. The the first is today, which is the start of the season versus the bench last year against Leeds. The bench Absolutely. today was infinitely better. Plus, you didn't have last season's top scorer on it or most assist maker <laughs> with Pudence. You didn't have Johnny, who's uh, a veteran either. Probably one question mark on there in terms of youth is Joe Hodge, who probably could could be due alone. Out, out of that, that's, that's much more better than it was this time last year the second point will be when the transfer window closes but could it be at that point that what Hobbs has been saying actually bears fruit and it will happen late and I don't expect a flurry of signings but those two or three maybe for depth um, especially in the centre back maybe another uh, forward or maybe another wide player if Pedence goes uh, maybe loans they explore that market a little um, if we are playing with this financial issues around our net then you, you've got to be smart, you've got to play smart and you've got to utilise all the avenues that are open to you, you don't, don't want to cut off your nose to spite your face and so I'm not going to loan a player from a top six team to to better their team in the long run, you, you want to do it to, to better yours in the short term. So, if that happens at the end of the, the transfer window, we could have a really decent, decent squad. And it is just naivety of those talking heads and not a lot of thorough research that have seen all of these departures and chaos around the coaching staff. But really, you've lost one legitimate starting player out of that 11 who. When he wasn't playing for two games last season, the team still performed pretty well. So let's let's see again when the when the window shuts. That's going to be another uh, interesting point.
0: Yeah, the only time I was really concerned during the game today about the squad itself was I felt like we do need another out wide player because I felt like Neto. Probably needed to be taken off at some point. I mean, he was he was running around a lot. Doesn't always make the best decisions uh, either. The other thing that has me a little concerned is the referees handing out more yellows for time wasting. This has a potential to really hurt those wide players and the fullbacks as well. The guys who are mostly doing the throw ins. Because some of those throw-ins, they're guarded. Uh, you know, you start to panic. I think they're going to be doing more of those, but those yellows will start to add up, and that's what concerns me. And um, when the depth would come in, Danny?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm concerned about that too. And just a side point that's it's so weird to me. I mean, I fully am on board with cutting down on time wasting. It's a scourge. Blah blah blah. But like, you know, it's just like the the throwing thing. I think I take offense at it because they're so much more likely to give those yellows early on because they think like, Oh, we'll set the example, but at the same time, it's like, we also know that no one is wasting time at that point. It's literally just they're guarded. I noticed one point during this game where I think it uh, went out on the far side and um, Nelson tomato picked up the ball for a throw in and the ball had the ball had recently been switched to that side. So there's almost no one over there on either team, but there's more United players than Wolves players. And he's worried about getting it in in time. Well, there's two Wolves players, one who's the center back, so probably Craig Dawson, in the box. And there's whoever's in front of him, probably Pedro Neto, like 20 yards up the field. What's he supposed to do? You know, and it just it's, – it's such a weird – arbitrary choice uh, for a lot of it where it's just like uh, I don't, I don't really understand where, why that's the line that we're drawing, I guess, um, you know, and it is something we're gonna have to look at. And I am worried about squad depth in that regard. Cause if you have players who are out for a game or eventually out for three games for accumulation of yellows, it's just another thing that's going to help the, the big teams that can have a huge bench full of backups, you know, I mean, yes, we should have a backup in every position, but it's just like, I don't know. Tell that, tell that to Luton or or Sheffield, you know, who like are barely scraping together a team that can play in the Premier League in the first place, and you know, you're handing out these yellow cards for like people who aren't even wasting time. It's it's so odd to me.
0: Eight Norie is going to get a, a a double yellow at some point. He's going to get sent off because he's going to have, like, one of those time-wasting things, and then he just has so many reckless challenges. I figured he'd be one of the first subs to come off because, you know, he's playing with a yellow after, what, 15 minutes? Yikes. That's not a guy you want playing on a yellow for that long. It's like him and Lamina. Those are the two where I'd be like, I don't really know about it. So, Paul, overall, you feel like you feel a lot better about the squad after today? even with no points. Yeah, I do.
3: Um I think we we do have to look past all that all of that noise and we we do have to take those arrivals that, that came in uh in January as, as a wider body of work of that's the transformation of the squad that we've seen. It hasn't necessarily happened this summer, but the ball started rolling uh, in January time, so that's the lens that I'm looking at it in. But you you're always expecting in in the summer, and the the window opens, and you get all these hundred million pound deals happening, and there's little old walls getting docted back on a free transfer. So there's there, there's that to uh, contend with. But for the most part, I think it's. We're in pretty good shape, I think. There's still opportunities that we know where we do need that cover, and still at the same time, you you are crossing your fingers and your toes and praying to the gods of injury that they can look favour on us for a season.
0: So stepping away from wolves for a minute, Alex, it was a sad day as we saw Fulham tweet out a picture of some baby oil. Very sad. <laughs> but what do you think about Fulham having both Raul and Adama now?
1: Uh, I think it's weird for a team that I think probably came into this year with greater ambition than Wolves to be taking some Wolves retreads. <laughs> uh, that That being said uh I did bet on Raul to score on Saturday and he very nearly did with his final touch of the game and what looked like a classic Raul chance but he hit the post and was subbed off for Mitrovic so I am smarter than to say that they will not uh do well at Fulham because I don't know it would just be really wolves for Adama to finally go there and find end product or and and for Raul to be the guy on the other side of it so In some ways I'm excited for Marco Silva to coach them um, because they are undoubtedly two players. I still root for as much as that hurts. And as much as it feels like Fulham and Wolves are kind of like playing in the same pool this year.
0: Well, my, my hair is safe. Unfortunately, (laughs) I was going to gladly dye it blonde Paul, the game I'm thinking about going to, um, I'm kind of looking at the schedule even before this, I was thinking about Fulham at Wolves in March. I think that might be the game now. What do you think the atmosphere will be like because of how beloved Raul is? And there is a section of the fan base like us that still loves Adama, and there's a section that can't stand him. What do you think that atmosphere is going to be like?
3: I think they'd both get really good. Um like welcomes, like when when the names are announced, or if either come off as as subs, I think they uh, the 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 fan base would be pretty respectful because, um, regardless of like opinions on Traore, you can't not question just his his overall impact for those glory days of what that team he was a part of accomplished like especially the the time in europe and the the goals and the partnerships forged there so um you you wouldn't get any negativity and um but you you just hoping and praying that it's just that they're able to be to be stifled i was going to say danny
0: like it's a near certainty the two of them are going to connect for a goal in Molyneux, isn't it
2: Oh, obviously. I mean, it's it's written in the it's written in the stars. <laughs> and it's not even it's going to be like a Raul headed goal. It's going to be a classic, you know, but oh, yeah. puts it up to Raul. It's also going to be the only goal they score all season, but <laughs> it'll happen in Valladolid no question. I think Raul get a good uh reception too, especially with the Lopetegi stuff last year, yeah. the Everton game.
0: In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets pulled just so he can get the proper Goodbye from the game. And finally, Max Kilman contract extension along with the captaincy, Danny, I think the captaincy we all thought, but the contract extension was kind of a surprise.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm interested, you know, how much they felt that they needed to protect their asset um, and make sure he wasn't tempted away by someone else. I mean, who knows what was going on behind the scenes, but it's a, you know, it's a perfectly pragmatic choice to me. Um, You know, I saw a couple people gripe online that, uh, you know, we have no money for players, but we're going to give him more money because presumably part of his new contract is getting paid more, Um, which whatever. I mean, I don't know. I think you're just protecting your asset. You know, no one's, I don't think anybody at Wolves is looking further ahead than next summer. And if he ends up going to a big team next year, then that's fine. We'll, you know, we're, we're in the process of a rebuild and those things might have to happen, but I think it's a perfectly prudent choice to, uh, give him a fresh new contract, make sure that Napoli can't come in for him this year and then deal with whatever comes next year. It is interesting. I saw someone comment online. Uh, I want to say it was Gully maybe, but, uh, Saying that we went from, you know, a captain and Connor Cody who had these intangibles that we all knew that he had weaknesses in terms of his his ability to to play the position, had these intangibles to speak to the group and to shout at people on the field and whatever, uh and now we're we're going to a captain who has these great abilities. We know the the ceiling that he has. You know, he's so talented with his feet and whatever. Uh, But we also recognize that he has to improve in terms of his communication with other people and like his his actual leadership skills. It's really interesting that we've like almost completely flipped that.
0: Yeah, Paul, I'm still a little kind of eh because of the fact he's not a very vocal guy. Um, But then again, is it going to make that much of a difference? I don't know. If he wasn't named captain, who would you have liked to have seen get the armband instead?
3: Um, probably out of the starting 11 today, Lamina. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like center, center of the park. Um, he, he certainly comes across well in, in media and, and in what he does off the pitch as well. So that was one potential that stood out for me. Kunya um, to a certain extent as well, that personality-wise stands out. So um yeah leadership's a funny dynamic to define in, in football so um is there one that checks all the boxes out this current crop there's, there's probably not so i'm not totally out on it either but more more through the fact that it, it's tricky to know where it falls
1: Whole of Wolves is self-funded, so if you're interested in sponsorship opportunities as a way to reach a niche audience, email hello at wholelottawolves.com for our sponsor packages. Just want to make a contribution as a listener who enjoys the show? Then head to buymeacoffee.com slash WLWpod. That's buymeacoffee.com slash WLWpod. We greatly appreciate any contribution. Up the Wolves.
0: All right, guys, to get us ready for our next game, which is Wolves versus Brighton. It's at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Peacock. We're here to welcome Paul Dorsey again from Stateside Seagulls. How's it going, Paul? It's going well. How are you guys? Pretty good. Well, last year, fantastic season for you guys. And as a result, you're playing in Europe. Number one, is it exciting? But number two... Do you think it's going to affect the team this season because that is kind of
4: a problem with us non big 6 guys? Yeah, I think that you know you kind of have to look at West Ham last season and see what they did. They didn't do so well in the league, but then they ended up you know winning Europe, the Europa Conference League. So it's definitely something that can happen, but I think that the way that Zerbi kind of understands each competition, he's so focused on just the performance. At hand. So he will take every single opportunity to, to win every single game that he has coming at him and put the best team out there. So I don't think he's going to, you know, say, you know, oh, we're just going to go for the Europa League and not worry about the Premier League. I think they're definitely going to want to have the best 11 that they can for each game. So I think that maybe we won't finish sixth again, but I don't think that we're going to have a relegation fight at our hands. So I think that it's going to be a little bit of a regression just in terms of you know, not finishing the top six, but I think that it's definitely going to be feasible for us to have a decent European um, run, hopefully a cup run domestically, but then also staying in that top 10 in the premier league. I think that's definitely achievable.
1: Hey Paul. So as you guys sit here, you know, it's mid August, as we record this, you've got a huge influx of money coming from Chelsea for the sale of Caicedo. So maybe it's, um, you know, not necessarily reasonable to ask you what, you know what it is they're gonna do with that money because it could be TBD. I think the transfer was finalized within the last like 24 hours. But like what do you think will happen with that? I mean, you guys are obviously great at this, um, but I don't think there's ever been a sale quite to this level for for Brighton. So what do you think that influx of cash will mean for the club?
4: Yeah, it's it's challenging. It's crazy. I know that kind of our MO has been signing a bunch of like one million pound signings from Paraguay or wherever. So Being, I I don't think we're going to sign 110 players from Paraguay, but I think that you know, I know that we (laughs) sign or that we are in discussions for signing a potential replacement kind of for Caicedo. I saw, I I can't remember his name, but there's maybe somebody coming from Lille, um, for around 20 million, I think. And then we did sign Jao Pedro this summer for 30 million, he's our record signing so far, so that's already a splash of cash we've had. Bart Verbruggen came in. He's a keeper. He came in for around 20 million pounds. I know we were in talks with potentially Tyler Adams and Mohamed Kudus. Don't know if either of those signings are going to happen, but there's definitely momentum. And I think there's definitely, especially with Kaiseido leaving, with McAllister leaving, opportunities for us to spend some of that money. I just don't know if we will and to what extent, because it's definitely something that we haven't done to that degree before obviously i mean nobody's had a a signing like this before really so or you know a signing go away and and have that influx of cash come in but it's going to be interesting to see how we kind of figure out our strategy with with signing a bunch of younger players who don't cost a lot of money versus you know having a european vision to look forward to and all this money coming in from kaisero's sale so it's going to be interesting to see what we do, but I think that we definitely will be seeing more incomings before the transfer window closes. Is one of those guys going to be
0: Coco Carasquilla uh, from Houston Dynamo? Me and Paul are
4: familiar with them. Gold Cup MVP. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, that would be that'd be interesting. It wouldn't surprise me, and honestly, Brighton, uh, yeah. They they find players from who who only knows where and makes it work, and then they sell them for 100 million pounds a couple of years later. So who who knows? I'm not just pulling sign. that out of my butt, I will say. That <laughs> that's been a rumor amongst Dynamo fans is that Brighton it. was one of the ones. <laughs> I haven't heard that one, but it, it, again, it wouldn't surprise me. Nothing surprises me with Brighton with transfers. Look, anytime you got a guy
0: named Coco with an Afro on your team,
4: it's an A-plus for the fans. <laughs> We had Cucurella, so I, I, I don't know if the fans are going to be too happy about that anymore. But
3: <laughs> out of the current crop Paul, who's the next potentially off this production line? And do you think this this short term profiteering? It's something that clubs of your stature and ours and really any of the non top six slash Saudi-owned clubs have kind of got to get used to and it's not the halcyon days of loyalty and testimonials after 10-year service anymore.
4: Yeah I I, so to answer the first question I think Simon Adingra is going to be that next kind of star he already came in he scored a goal on Saturday he scored two goals in the summer series here in the U.S. um, and he's kind of a Matoma-esque player came from USG last year so I think that he could definitely be that player that comes in and kind of surprises everybody this season. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, I think you're definitely onto something there. You know, we have Lewis Dunk, Pascal Gross, Sally March. They've been at the club for, for ages now. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. They sign long-term deals in the summer as well. So there are definitely still players like that, but with the big money that comes in with, the players like Caicedo going for hundred million pounds for Chelsea coming in and basically taking our entire squad and our coaching staff and everything. We've seen, we've seen where this can go and we we've seen where this can lead just at Brighton specifically. And then across the premier league and, and in Europe and and everywhere in Saudi Arabia. So, you know, we, it's definitely a weird time, especially for Brighton because we have our transfer strategy of signing young players and then developing them and selling them for large sums of money. It's kind of in our interests in a way to do that type of thing, but it does kind of feel a little bit like there may be something missing just in terms of, you know, you you want to see the players that you grow attached to at your club for a long time. And it it definitely is hard to see like Caicedo leaving McAllister leaving after maybe only playing two, three seasons with the club and having such, you know, such great experiences watching them play and, and seeing where we can go with them, and I know that there is definitely going to be a, a crop of players like Simon and Dinger coming in who are new who could do the same things, but you know there is kind of that attachment that's missing a little bit. So what are you guys probably going to throw starting
0: eleven wise at Wolves on Saturday?
4: Yeah, so I think we have some injury issues. I know Lewis Dunk started this weekend. Um, he didn't start at all during the summer series. He didn't play at all. But I would expect him to play alongside probably Jan-Paul Van Hecke at the back. Um Fervis de Stupinian and Matoma, they'll, they'll start most likely. Sally March will start. Um, and then it, it's kind of a toss-up. Maybe Evan Ferguson up top or maybe Welbeck one of those two, probably um, Joao Pedro, probably as well. Um, and then in goal, um, it, probably Jason Steele, but there has been discussion that he may be switching back and forth with Bart Verbruggen just to, it, it's either going to be Jason Steele's the Premier League keeper and Verbruggen's the Cup keeper, or they're just going to switch off every once in a while. And it's kind of hard to tell what's going to happen there, but, I think that it's going to be a very similar lineup to what we had against Luton down. Um, I wouldn't expect too many changes. Maybe if Adam Webster's healthy, maybe if Veltman's healthy, they might start at the back. But otherwise, I think it's going to be pretty much the same as, as
3: what we threw out against Luton. Who's this um, M- Milner kid? Is he new? Is he new? <laughs> i Has he been around a bit? I, I never
4: heard of him. Is he, yeah. is he, is he any good? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no. He, if he was fantastic. And, and he really kind of did go under the radar on Saturday. But he definitely, he looked like he fit in right away. And, I mean, he didn't look like he was 37, 38 years old. He looked like he was 20-something. It, it's crazy. I, I can't believe that he's his age 22nd year in the premier league and he fit into the brighton system like like nothing changed
3: yeah it really goes to show how astute you can be with fitting a profile of player within a a team and a squad regardless of, of age so uh yeah yeah it's it's not necessarily those uh rough gems from overseas it could be someone that's uh everyone's familiar with but you get exceptional value for a season or two that you you, you never think previously so that's a astute pickup for sure
0: well thanks paul we really appreciate you coming on today
3: yeah
4: absolutely thank you guys for having me
0: all righty thanks to uh paul dorsey from stateside seagulls for jumping on with us paul what stood out to you based on what Paul, the other Paul was saying?
3: I just got horrible flashbacks to that away trip from last year. And some of the names that he started to mention, I completely forgot about talking about what, which is the next player off the production line that they're going to sell for for millions. And I totally forgot about Mitoma and, and what he can offer. So, uh, it, it 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 has brought a few nerves back to the, uh, to the forefront of the, the type of opponent we're going to come up against on Saturday.
0: Danny, who are you scared of the most?
2: I mean, I think for me, it's, uh, it's probably Matoma. Although, I mean, e- Evan Ferguson is so impressive um, for such a young player. Um, but we we saw, I think both home and away how Matoma just shredded through even really good defenders that we have. I mean, obviously that away game at Brighton was an aberration for a number of in a number of ways. Uh, but you know, we just watched Nelson semedo have such a good game defensively. Um, but he also, I think got torn apart by Matoma in that in that Brighton away game. So I am I am very concerned about that.
0: what do you think lineup wise paul we're going to be looking at this game
3: it's a tricky one i think um quality of the opponent's going to factor into it even though we're at home um and there's an element of of it that i do i would just like him to try out a 442 and at least go for it with two dedicated uh centre-forwards, if it's Kunya and Silva, and, and see what trouble they can cause. Um, fight fire with fire to a certain extent. Um, and we just hoping that the the dy- dynamism of our midfield can quell them a little more than uh, it didn't do previously. And a little like tonight, how there was definitely cases of Lamina was being purposely sat more deeper or purposely on the shoulder of Fernandez at certain times to, to stop him from playing. So is that what they've got to do? They, they may set up more attacking, but go man for man in certain situations to try and stifle them, even though we're at home.
0: How about you, Danny? What are you predicting from the starting 11?
2: Yeah, I like what Paul said. I think that's probably what I would expect. Although I'll I'll give you this uh, as an alternative. You know, I I could see a world where we don't really change anything. That you know the the team that he put out to play United tonight. You know, I think was very much set up to control the game, whether in or out of possession. And I I have to say that there must be something you know, that maybe O'Neill and certainly Lopetegui have seen in Sarabio that shows that he's very useful for that. And I, I get it on some level, but I also see why people want a lot more from him. But I just, I wonder if we'll do something similar where, you know, we're, we're going to feel out the game and we're going to try to just control it as much as we can, even if we don't have a ton of the ball, uh, and then see where we end up at halftime.
0: I could see he Chan Hoang starting in place of Sarabia. I think that's probably the obvious move, but I would like to see Cunha and, and Silva together. I think, I think that's kind of what most of the fans are are like begging for. We just want to see what that looks like.
2: Just once. I think if you're going to have two people breaking for the goal, those are the two that you want it. You know, they're not really the same types of players, but it is the only thing that comes close to reminding me of that, like Raul and Joda. Like, yeah, yeah. we've sprung the counterattack, but we only have those two players. No one else is going to catch up to them. Who do you want those two players to be? For me, it's got to be Cunha and Silva. Mm-hmm.
1: So, I, can I just ask, you know, if someone could explain to me, maybe what if you drop Sarabia? For Silva, you're really losing because Cunha and Silva's work rate are really high. Like, I don't think you're sacrificing balance on the defensive mm. end that Sarabia brings because he doesn't really bring any. So, like, what I don't know, like, what would you really need to change? And, like, why is that too attacking as opposed to Sarabia playing where he was playing?
3: I think tonight? even strength in the midfield as well. if. Cunha is naturally taking up that deeper position anyway. Does he take up a, an extra body in the middle of the park, and that makes it more defensive? Not intentionally, just by the fact that that's where he likes to set the plays from. So, yeah. is it better having him in the middle there or Sarabia kind of floating about more out wide anyway? So, as it stands, I'm 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 in more camp Cunha.
2: Yeah, I mean I think the way I look at Sarabia is it's not so much a whether you're going attacking or you're defensive. It's more like how much are you seeking to control the game? Like I and you know, I'm I'll hold my hands up and say I'm no expert at any of this stuff. Um I'm just trying to get whatever I can off of off of Twitter and the couple of books that I have, but um <laughs> You know, I see him still like kind of like Moutinho or like the way Moutinho should have been played the last 12 months, which is that like he should be brought in in specific games and probably at the ends of a lot of games when we're trying to control the game. Mm -hmm. Like you think about that game against Liverpool at home where Moutinho came on and was so influential, he sort of had the hockey assist for the final goal. But it's, you know, like, the thing the little things that he does that like helps to gain gain back possession or to like start a counterattack are really useful. And I I get that Sarabia is like probably extremely useful to a manager, but in a way that is very hard to see <laughs> while you're watching the game. Um but I coach I on agree the field.
0: That, like, coach on the field. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, maybe that's it. You know, I mean uh but I I admit that I would love – I would happily sacrifice him to see the the Cunha-Fabio uh, two up front.
1: It just feels like a safe move where, like, Gary O'Neill has said, like, the one thing I want from these guys is to attack. And, like, yeah. he did that. But mm-hmm. that attack would have been way more threatening if it were Fabio instead of Sarabia. Like you said, Danny, I feel like he's a really good bench option once you could get a goal. But – yeah that goal doesn't really look like it's coming with how people hitting the target. And Fabio consistently did that in the 15 minutes he played or whatever. it was. Yeah. yeah.
2: He is also our best set piece taker and it's a low bar, but he's their best set piece taker by a long, long shot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You don't know, like Neto soaring it over people. <laughs> put get put Jao Gomez at, uh, at set pieces. I want to see what he can do.
2: It's <laughs> like every so often, Saez would line up to take a free kick, and then he'd hit the bar. And it's like, yeah. why, why are we having this guy take the look?
0: <laughs> yeah. Or finally, with Neves last year. It's like, last three games, suddenly he's taking him, and we look great. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, it's prediction time. Paul, you're not starting off good, man. <laughs> Paul had a 1-1 draw uh, out of this game so he got no points I will um, caveat
3: that was pre oh, so oh, so what would you have I done after the sk- back then I definitely said a 1-0 loss oh. definitely well,
2: well hang on did, did Paul get an apology from the PGMOL he should have had a 1-1 <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, Paul check your mailbox in the morning
0: yeah <laughs> me and uh Chris Fisher got one point each because we did say wolves would lose and Alex off to a hot start one nil Manchester United unfortunately it's a hot start
1: mm. agreed
0: Paul what was it looking like on the website with
3: the prediction same uh everyone on the website apart from me predicted a Manchester United uh win and but it was still only Alex that went the the one nil route so he tops the tops the early table with the three points.
0: So everybody be sure and go to whole lot of wolves.com to enter in your predictions each week. And here are ours. Danny, I'll let you start off. You had a good record last year. What are you thinking?
2: It's true. I, I have to defend certain, certain level of uh, performance here. Um, I went into the United game feeling like I would take a loss as long as we looked good. And Mm -hmm. that is what happened, even though it should not have. Um, But, you know, I, and I feel similarly about the Brighton game. It's a home game. So I think, you know, we were right to expect a bit more. Um, I would like to see a score. That would be nice. Um, But I still think, you know, Brighton have been very good. I do think that, although like, it's funny, I didn't watch the Brighton Luton game. And then when I looked it up, they scored three of their goals after the 70th minute and, and two of them were like right at the end. And it just makes me wonder, especially against Luton. Luton. Um, it's a little surprising to me. So maybe that means we have more of a chance than I thought. Uh, I'm still going to go with a Brighton win, but I think that we score. I'll say two, one, I'm tempted to say three, two, just because I'm still so burned from them putting so many goals past us last year. <laughs> Uh but I'll I'll go two one because I think defensively we've looked solid. Two one wolves. Brighton. No, no, no. Two on oh, Brighton. Two
0: one Brighton. <laughs> if it's okay. two one
2: wolves, you know, I'll be thrilled and my shirt'll be off.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alex, what are you going with?
1: Yeah, so just to compound on what Danny said, and I did watch almost all of the Brighton Luton game. Um the score was a little misleading because they started pouring them in at the end and they were playing a team that is not, that's not a premier league team. Like I'm having a really hard time determining if I should be scared of Brighton based on what happened, or if that's just like, you know, a Carabao cup fixture that just was dressed up in premier league clothing, Um, which it kind of feels like. So um, I'd be, you know, I'm encouraged. I think Wolves get a point, and I'll say one-one because there's no way they're keeping Matoma quiet the whole game. He's absolutely filthy, even against Luton. Um, but Wolves get on the score sheet and get a get a point in the standings. Finally. Okay, Paul.
3: I was a bit more buoyed thinking about it after the fixture today, but then Paul Dorsey did bring me a little bit back down to earth and reminding me of how good they were and how, how good they could be. Um, So I think I've got to say that a, a draw would be still a really good result. And I'm just deciding whether we are going to actually score or have we got it in ourselves to be pretty tight and stop them from scoring, but we don't score. So is it 2-2 two, two or nil-nil? I'm going to say let's be be ish 2-2 two, two draw. Man.
0: Guys, it's the home opener. They feel a little disrespected that they didn't win today, that they got hosed out of a point. We saw a lot. They were going up against a team that almost everybody has in the top four. And really should have won on the road. By God, Wolves 2, Brighton 1. Let's, let's go. go. Let's go. <laughs> oh, the Mighty Wolves. Okay, Alex. It's everybody's favorite time. No
1: stupid questions. All right, let's get to them. We have a lot uh, pertaining to, obviously, the VAR incident. We'll get through those really quickly before we get to some uh, more of the fun stuff. Um... So let's start uh, first with Sharky. Sharky WWFC asks, if you were sat in the bar room, what biscuits are you choosing? I'm assuming that's all they're doing, really, is like the occasional badge check and yeah. snacking. What would you go with?
3: Hmm.
0: So Paul, in this case, are we saying biscuit is chips or
3: cookies? Yeah, you gotta you gotta take it as cookies cookies. Okay. Yeah.
0: I think they're going the Oreo and I think they're doing like little contests to see who can do like the perfect like turn and stuff and then they look up and go, "Oh shit, we missed something." Let's see. Manchester United, no penalty. So I'm going to go with the Oreos. And then they're having dunking contests too.
1: <laughs> oh, what would you be eating up there? You got any uh biscuits that you're missing from back home?
3: Um my go-to's were custard creams, which were a little like Oreos, but um, not not so much of a, a sweet. Uh, the 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 inside was more creamy, not as sweet as the Oreo. But That's yeah, I'd, I'd be on the custard cream. <laughs> Josh,
1: <laughs> Danny, what's your var sure. snack? Come on, you got to have something.
2: Uh, building on. Uh... Josh's idea of them being distracted by trying to separate the Oreo perfectly, I think it's got to be something with a lot of peanut butter. So like Nutter mm. butters, I'm gonna say mm-hmm. something that glues their mouths shut. So when Simon Hooper says, "I don't know, should I take a look on the monitor?" they are unable to communicate with him, and he just says, that's, "Oh, whatever, I'll just go with whatever I called initially."
1: That's fine. That's the penalty. <laughs> yeah. There Sorry, I can't guys.
2: hear you. Did you say? Give Gary O'Neill a yellow card? Great, I'll do that.
1: <laughs> um, all right, let's uh let's see. Let's go with uh, Chris Fisher's question. Last week's guest, friend of uh show and all of ours. This is a good one. Which wrestler's signature move was most reminiscent of what Onana did to Sasa? This is Paul all the way, baby.
3: So it immediately stood out to me looking looking at that question and seeing the move that you really needed it it, it, it's a tag team move so you really needed the your tag team partner but I'm going to go very old school back to the late 80s early 90s when WWF was real and wasn't fake it was the Legion of Doom and it was Hawk who'd lift the opponent up on his shoulders and then Animal and jump off the top rope and clothesline the opponent to the floor and pin him so in that case, Onana oh, no, would be Hawk jumping off the top rope and try to close the incestor.
0: <laughs> I love that Paul can just like describe details from something from 30 years ago, but he hasn't seen an episode of Seinfeld.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would never peg Paul as a wrestling guy either if I didn't already know that he was into it. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, but Anyway. Anyone have any the, other the, finishers? Cro-
2: the crossover between wrestling interest and soccer interest in the UK is way more common than in the US, whereas That's in the US, the wrestling fans and the soccer fans are two separate groups. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, yes. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay. Uh, Let's go with uh, Baltimore Wolves, who asks, what's the conversion rate between PGMOL apologies and Premier League points asking for a team in the Midlands? I was trying to no, but in all seriousness, is this the third or fourth apology in a calendar year? I was trying to remember what is the fourth. Okay. That's, Why are we that's taking sorry. a question from Baltimore Wolves? He's kind of a dick online. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: sorry. I should have scrapped that one from the notes. I was debating. Um okay, uh Michael Moser at LC Simmer underscore sixteen. Who makes a better keeper, Dawson or Saw? I think he's probably referring to Craig Dawson's uh headed clearance when Saw came flying out and uh I, f- I forget who tried to chip him. Was it Rashford? No. No uh, it was... Anthony, I think. Yeah. I think it was Anthony. Oh, by the way, Graham Lasso hates Anthony. I enjoyed that. Like finally, there was some <laughs> commentary bias that in a wolves match that wasn't against Wolves. Um, that was hilarious when they were talking about man of the match, and he was like, Well, it's not Anthony. <laughs> 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 that was great. Mike um, Mike and
0: I were actually watching the game together, and it was throughout the game. Every time Saul like came out and was like looking shaky, he was like, oh, Dawson. Dawson's been so much better. So Dawson a, had a great game, and he really saved Saw's Bacon a couple times.
2: That brings up a good question, though. If if we uh you know if, if Saw gets sent off and we don't have any more subs, who who puts on the gloves? Well, that's I funny. don't think it's Dawson. I think it's no. Nina. Yeah, oh, I don't know.
1: Mm, that's uh it's a great question. I could see a scrappy Zhao Gomez performing. I was going to say, Zhao
0: Gomez would ask at least. He'd be
1: like, come on, come on, guys. And they'd be like, running no, off his like, line, foot nine. celebrating I mean, every tackle. I, I would love that, actually. I mean, he it's would get a red. Goal, Kaladzic.
2: Kaladzic oh, yeah.
3: Massive. Just he'll claim crosses with one hand. Be that'd, be,
2: that'd be the obvious choice. But I'd be worried that he'd get injured.
3: You yeah, know, yeah. I think he's yeah.
2: the right choice, but I'm just going to be sitting there with my heart in my throat the whole time. He's going to get wiped out at some point. I mean, <laughs> at least Paul will remember that Doherty spent some time in goal during one game, so he's got experience.
1: Yeah, let's uh let's hope it never gets to that, and uh, we never have to worry. It's about going to at some point, though. Yeah. Let's be honest, it's wolves. <laughs> yeah and it's jose saw who um could lose his cool every now and then um didn't have much to do today though gotta say pretty quiet Um, pretty quiet in a good way um okay so uh let's move to todd dewitt uh who asks what match day superstitions do you have one of mine is that if i'm watching at a bar i will never close my tab before the full-time whistle that's Mm -hmm. a that's a very good rule i very much support that uh what do you guys do you guys have anything
0: uh, so when I'm at the ball and I uh, bar and I got this from from um, our good friend, the late Clive Hill, he would always he'd get his one hoppadillo for the first half and the waitress would come. You go, no, no, no. He'd wait until the halftime to order that second one. So he'd never have more than one. So I started picking up on that same beer hoppadillo. And then when I'm at home, I'm a I'm a socks guy. If wolves are on a roll, I got to wear the same pair of socks. Uh, when the Cubs were making their world series run, um, I must've worn the same pair of socks watching games for like three weeks. My wife thinks I'm an idiot, by the way, for, for us, she's not superstitious at all. Now are these regular socks or are they like wolves socks? Oh, they're, they're wolves socks. Yeah. I wore wolves dress socks today. Nice (laughs) at home. Yeah. So I was wearing shorts, my free Joe Gomez shirt and wolves dress socks. Paul. Paul? Superstition?
3: Yeah, usually I'm quite a, a sucker for wearing a particular jersey and thinking that's brought a changing look and then trying to keep up with that. The The more recent ones I've had, I didn't really keep it up. Um, watching it today was my choice of uh, mug for mm-hmm. a coffee. So I've got a I got a Wolves Europa League one, and then I've got the the Premier League one from, I think it was from one of the fan Fests or a package that they sent out. So, I was usually having one first, and then switching for the second half. But I am I'm out of superstitions at the moment. I need something stupid to pin my hopes on that we is <laughs> completely pointless, but. <laughs> I will think that's really important. So let me try and think of something. Danny, you seem like a
0: super duper superstitious guy.
2: That is not the case. Are you a little stitious? <laughs> As Michael Scott said, I am not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Um, <laughs> I I don't really have anything in particular, but I will say that if I am already wearing, you know, a Wolves shirt. And then the lineup comes out and the person whose name on that shirt is not in the lineup, but I have one that is. So like, you know, I'm wearing a, the Neves shirt. And then I see that like Neto is starting or Kilman is starting. There's like, there's a part of me in my mind that thinks like I should wear a shirt with someone who's starting. Cause like, then they'll have a good game. I know it's ridiculous. And like 50% of the time I cave to that temptation, but uh but yeah, that's that's the only thing that comes to mind is uh, I get I get very like twitchy at the you know when, get, when we get near kickoff like oh, I'm really undermining this player by not wearing their shirt.
0: That's a superstitious thing, right, Alex? Guy, I, I need oh, a judge definitely. there. That's very superstitious. That's I'm
2: I'm a little superstitious. Yeah.
0: No, no, yeah. that's a superstitious one.
2: <laughs> I said I don't I don't cave every time. Yeah, it's no, just no, no, it's time. a little tickle in my mind.
0: A little yeah. tickle in your
1: mind. <laughs> I, uh, I've i tried. I really, really have tried to develop something, but uh, I've sat through so many Wolves losses in the past few years that just nothing sticks. So I'm kind of sure. like Paul, it's just like, the, really that's hard that's to develop. It. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I tried the socks like that they sent last year with the international supporters thing, and I was like, I guess I'll wear these. Just like never worked. Uh, <laughs> tried the travel hoodie, the awake, every kit. It's, it doesn't matter, so... Did you um, try the
0: chinos though, in the turtleneck?
1: You know what? No, I've never worn a turtleneck for the game, but I am—I refuse to now because I feel so scorned. Are you throwing uh, them out
0: out your apartment window? the The turtleneck and the chinos.
1: Uh, I should. I should. By the way, did you see um the the Bournemouth manager? I forget his name. I think he's a Spaniard. He he was rocking a turtleneck on Saturday. And I was watching at a bar, so there's multiple games on, and somebody was like, "Lopetegui is now with Bournemouth," and I'm like, "No, that's <laughs> not him, but he does look kind of <laughs> like a, a, you know, a dollar store version of you and Lopetegui, whoever that guy is." Bournemouth's another one, like You're Iowa. They so confidently that Wolves are going down. Look at the Bournemouth squad. Jeez. All right, um, Stu. <laughs> from the- Sorry, it, it really runs me the wrong way. Like, Rebecca Lowe, hey, they're stuff. about to get time the Wolves are going down. Surely, oh, yeah, Rebecca Lowe down.
0: can, you know, whatever.
1: What do you mean, surely? <laughs> like, who on is starting 11 walks into the Wolves team? Give me a break. Um, anyway, all right, Stu uh says, and this is a great question that I feel like we should debate because Josh, I know you've been planning, I've been also doing some planning. He asked does the constant corruption make you question spending the better part of a thousand dollars at least to come over here and watch a game i find it hard to get motivated to go to big six away games anymore purely for the reason you know it won't be refereed the same way for both sides so full transparency my wife saw a tick this is no longer stew my wife saw a tick tock uh, of london at christmas time that was so festive where she was like maybe we should go to the uk in december And I'm like, well, that would be great because they play two games a week in December. And there just so happens to be a week that Wolves are at Arsenal and you got to fly into London and then home against Forest. But Stu's question, I think, is a good one because like Wolves at Arsenal, if that same thing happens and Ramsdale comes out and just like, you know, gives the people's elbow to Fabio Silva, they're not giving that. (laughs) Yeah it's kind of crappy i don't know what do you think josh i know you've been talking about going over Does like the yes. way it feels like the world is against wolves like make you question it
0: so you really have to be going knowing that you're going for the experience and not necessarily for the win or the loss uh everybody knows i'm an alabama fan i went uh to the game in College Station, Alabama versus Texas A&M. This was Johnny Manziel's last season. And they went up uh, 14-0 on Alabama quick. And I looked at my brother, and we had spent like $400 on the tickets. And I was like, did we just spend $400 each to watch our team get massacred? Thankfully they came back and won, but that was one of those, it's a short trip for me, or even if I had gone to Alabama for it. Whereas if you're flying to England and stuff, you just have to already prepare yourself that, especially since it's wolves, they're probably not going to win the game. You just hope, I think you're going there, hoping that there'll be some goals and it'll be an exciting game. You know, like today I, I wouldn't have, if if that game was at Molyneux, the first 90 minutes, even if it ended one nil, I would have felt like that was a fun game. I'm glad I went mm-hmm. now at the end. Yeah, that would have pissed me off. And I would have been like, I can't believe I flew out here. You limey bastards. But, um, yeah. you know, Danny, there, not-
2: there is a there is a benefit, though. I mean, I know we had an uh, afternoon game here. But, you know, if this kind of craziness happens on our typical kickoff times, you know. 10 a.m. for me, 9 a.m., whatever, even those early games. It's really not socially acceptable to uh, rage drink at uh, <laughs> 11 a.m. 11 Whereas, you know, if you're over there and, and the game is kicking off in the evening, you know, at least you can then go commiserate with other Wolves fans in a pub somewhere. Whereas... You know, you just have this whole day's worth of festering hatred over here. So there's pros and cons.
1: Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, would you say that maybe you would not go out of your way to go to a top six match? Because I, what I want to do, like I went to Molyneux, It was amazing. They did play Arsenal and it was one nothing, and it was a pretty uninspired performance. So, but like the last thing I think about is like what the result was, you know? But if you're planning an away game, which many people say is like, arguably a better experience because being part of the wolves away crowd is sometimes more of like a you know us against the world mentality and like kind of you know it, that could be really fun do you want to go to anfield like do you want to go to you know uh, some of these huge stadiums and put, or like yeah. would you just go like wolves fulham where it's like just like a nice a lot of nice little families and <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> they're just probably you know in awe that it means that much to you. I don't know. I don't
0: I don't want to go to when Wolves are playing a big six, even if it's at Molyneux, just because I'd like a better chance for them to win. Yeah. So when I, I look at percent, it, I looked yeah. at Fulham and I was like, Oh, that sounds like a good one right there. Should be a, you know, competitive game, uh, better chance for a win. It's like, yeah, you'd love to see Manchester City, but do I really want to fly over there going, There's a good chance we're gonna lose 4 0? I, I don't want <laughs> That's That, to me, even more than the refereeing, is like, uh, you know, if I want to go see Halon and De Bruyne, I'd go up there and watch, like, Man City, Everton or something. I
2: don't know. It just shows how delusional I am. As as soon as I watch that game, uh, the the 3-2 comeback win against City at Molyneux, I think that's all I think of in terms of Uh, going over there and the prospect of seeing them play a a big six team is like that was such a special moment for me here watching it literally by myself in a bar that was empty you know and I just think like how amazing would it be to be there for that moment even if it's you know one in a hundred (laughs) chance or less
0: me and hall and clive and several of the other houston wolves dancing around everyone shit in
1: the air <laughs> that was a good time i mean i we we've seen we've seen baltimore wolves after a big win and the type of <laughs> damage right. that can be done imagine, a lot of
2: damage a lot of damage imagine
1: if that were in england where maybe pines are a little bit cheaper and everyone else they you know, are Stu sent me for a living <laughs> Stu sent
0: me a picture of the prices in um um in Molyneux at the bars and a lot cheaper. One of the more expensive de- beers is actually Corona. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was very interesting. Well, it makes sense has to, you know, it's not a domestic, uh, for yeah. them. I think it, I, I think that says a lot though, that Stu was the one that brought up this question. As far as if guys in the UK are bringing up, man, if I was an American, I wouldn't want to come over here for this shit show because of the refereeing. Like, I don't think I'd yeah. say the same thing to Sue. Like, is the NFL officiating is rough, but it's not that rough. So I would be like, oh, is it a question you wanting to come for a New York Jets game? Um, it's really sad that now yeah. it's you're having to think about that because the refereeing is so bad,
1: yeah. I would almost think it's, it's easier for us to tolerate because at the end of the day, we're not going on the train back home mm-hmm. and we're probably going to stay overnight in Manchester or in Liverpool. And then we're going to be like, well, you know, it is kind of cool that I got to experience that city. So I totally can't to go why. to
2: work the next day is nice. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I think that that's probably a big part of it. So I feel like it would probably dissuade locals more than Americans um, from that perspective. And just because you mentioned the NFL for all the crap that everyone gives instant replay. And they did for the first, however many years it was there. I mean, it is infinitely better than (laughs) VAR. Like
0: there is even uh, the major league baseball replay is better than VAR right now.
1: There is some ambiguity about certain rules, but like there is literally like there, there's always a, you know, people used to be like, what is a catch? That was like a thing people on Twitter would say in the NFL. Like what is a catch anyway? Like, I don't literally know what anything is with VAR. And it, anybody's guess is as good as mine. And my only inclination was just to be like, well, it's Wolves, so they're not going to give it. And all the United fans at the bar were like, that's a pet. You know, like nobody knows anything. So anyway, uh, that's it for no stupid questions. Um, thanks to everyone who chimed in. Um, uh, you could tweet them at us each week. We prompt them for you on Twitter at the show's Twitter handle at WLWpod. You can also send them in via email. Um, hello at whole lot of is the show's email address. So get us there and uh, yeah, keep them coming.
0: Alex, I'm yes. out of whiskey. So give your last little promo for Focin Day coming up.
1: Yes, that's right. So if you happen to be in the New York area, the tri state area, and you're a listener, or if you're traveling this way and you're looking for somewhere to watch the game, we've got a great opportunity for you. Focin Day is back. I think it's the second time that New York Wolves are doing this, but uh, basically Saturday for Brighton for Wolves home opener uh, at 28 Liberty Street in the Financial District downtown in Manhattan, which is uh, Foson's building. So at Foson Plaza, we're going to have a massive outdoor watch party um, with people from all over. So, um, you know, find New York Wolves uh, on Facebook. On Twitter, you can then find the link um, to RSVP. It's, uh, you know, Dave and Dan would just like to get an idea of numbers. I know we've got good numbers already, but if you are around and you're looking for somewhere to watch Wolves in a great environment, weather's supposed to be incredible, beautiful summer day and outside on like a massive screen, food and drink, um, come find us again at 28 Liberty Street, Fosin Plaza for Wolves Brighton. And let's hope for a, for a better result and that we could be celebrating in the streets of New York. Do you Already? provide
2: picket signs for protesting posts and then getting them to
1: spend more money? <laughs> exactly. I said something like that last week, and then I immediately <laughs> regretted it. And I was like, you know, they <laughs> just kidding. David Kopi probably wouldn't like us to be promoting it in that way, since they're kind enough to <laughs> let us there. So I would like to view it more as the more we go and support, the more likely they are to pump money back into the club, because we know that this club is a priority for them. So you're going to be
2: passing around the collection plate, is what you're saying? (laughs) (laughs) So I got two questions here. I got two (laughs) questions. Number one,
1: questwell collection plate. Please, we really need a backup (laughs) fullback.
0: So I've got two questions here. Number one is Jeff She more likely to show up to New York Fosun Day than Molly knew.
1: And then number two, percent he's got business here. I'm sure. And then
0: number two is this potentially the last Fosun Day?
1: there's a lot of middle east money in manhattan these days we have a lot of skyscrapers (laughs) we could be doing this at in the future (laughs) um i'm gonna say no i'm gonna be an optimist what do you guys think i don't think
2: so i think i think you've got another pro sunday in you
1: yeah because i think they stay up and i think that like why are they going to sell a premier league asset It's, it's one of 20 in the world you know i
0: don't know i don't know I just I just have a feeling they're going to try and bail at some point. Paul,
3: I think the whole Thursday Sunday works too well. So let's just keep it for the naming <laughs> convention. <laughs>
0: no. even less the, gone
3: unless the new owner's fit within that that the it, you can create a quirky name out of the new ownership and hosting a watch party then and have got to stay just on that basis. <laughs>
0: Or if Trump buys it, you could just
1: walk down the street, right, Alex?
3: Oh, don't oh, even. Man. Don't even <laughs> throw a
1: Molotov existence? cocktail in here in the final minute of the show. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, man. I choose chaos. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> Danny, how can we find you?
2: Yep. As always, you can find me at Baltimore Wolves on Twitter. Uh, you can X. also check us out on Facebook. On X. Yeah. I'm never, I'm never going to call it X. I'm never sorry. X. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can also find us on Facebook. I'll usually post there if we're going to go out somewhere, probably going to head out to uh cloud down in Canton in the next two or three weeks. So check out there uh, for details on that.
3: That brings this week's show to an end. Good listeners. We'll be back this time next week for everything. What happened with the game against Brighton, and then we'll be previewing Everton away, which is Saturday, August 26th. So in the meantime, let's take tonight's, today's positives onto the weekend. And with everything that you do, up the mighty Wolves.